Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, Pathways. It's uh, great to be with you this weekend, and I am just in awe of what God is doing in and through you as Pathways. We are Pathways. This is not my church. This church doesn't belong to the elders. This is our church because we are connected to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful. Aren't you grateful that Jesus Christ serves as the head of the church? Ultimately, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And uh, as we begin this new ministry year, there are so many God sightings, so many uh, moments of his glory that is among us that I just want to take a, a few moments and share because my heart is full as I look across what God is doing here at the ministry and in the life of Pathways. You know, in Pathways Kids, uh, there is something called Roots. Everybody say Roots. It's on our midweek Wednesday night programming, and we have over 70 little hearts and minds of elementary kids that are digging into God's word, and they are so excited to be here, and I know parents that you love that, and so much so that we have a wait list of elementary kids that want to get into that program, and very excited about that. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Michael, it was student takeover on Labor Day weekend. That was just a fantastic time and service, and, and God's doing some really cool things. In fact, Friday night, they had Nerf Wars, Nerf Wars, right? That's pretty cool. And so um, they actually came in, some of our student ministry team, uh, this week they came in and they were shooting at me in my office. While I was trying to study for the message, they came and ambushed me. And so um, uh, just fantastic things going on in our student ministry. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna be launching some brand new small groups, a, a four-week experience for you to try out. And I can't wait to hear of all the reports of community and connection that happens among us us as the family of God. I'm telling you, the row is not enough. Circles are better. It's a place where you get dialed into to some uh, people of Christian community and get to know and grow together. And so you want to check out those opportunities. And women, we have an event coming up for you women in November. So stay tuned. Make sure you download our mobile app and be looking as we uh, uh, head toward November. It'll be a fantastic time for women. And, and men, we have man camp, not boys camp. Okay, man camp. Okay, Man Camp, October 14th, 15th, and 16th. So make sure you register for that. Love for all of you uh, men to join us as we go on retreat together. And so many fantastic things happening with our building. You know that the church is not a building, but it is a resource and we wanna steward it well. And God has given us 50,000 square feet for us to do ministry here. And so we're gonna be getting a paint job on our building here soon and really excited about all the landscaping that's taking place and so grateful. And if you haven't noticed, we did a little rebranding. We have a brand new logo and so excited about that. Somebody said to me after service, first service said, what are those three things? Like, what do they represent? Well, for some of us, our communication uh, team did a fantastic job. They represent, uh, for some, we thought, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we looked at those three lines, and we thought, row, circle, chair. Uh, what it does not represent is that all paths lead to God. There's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so really excited about that and uh, excited about the truth. But you know what I'm most grateful for? I am most grateful for God's word. 
God's word, the truth of God's word is what nourishes us and sustains us. It's his revelation. It's his love toward our hearts so that we can know his will and his thoughts and and his heart for us. And I am so grateful for God's word. That's why today I want to read to you two verses, two verses of scripture. And I believe I'm praying that they will go off like a truth bomb inside of your heart for the promises that they are. And I believe that these verses are for some of you. For for some of you, I don't know where you are. You might be watching from California or from Jackson, Mississippi today. You might be right here in the room. And and I believe that when I read these verses, you're going to know and something inside of you is just going to leap. You're going to be like, yes, those are my verses. And you know how you're going to know if those are your verses? Because you're in a battle that's bigger than you. And so when I read these verses, you're just going to get excited because these verses really are the truth of what God wants to say to us. In fact, I want to minister, I want to preach out of the song that we just sang together. We were talking out of Genesis 50, 20, where what the enemy means for harm, God uses for our good. The scriptural foundation, that truth found in Romans 8, 31, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that's the word of God. It's almost like we planned that song. It's almost like I came in on Monday and I said to Nathan and Emily, hey, could we tag? We're gonna see a victory at the end of the worship set. And they were like, of course. And I'm like, come on, baby. And so um, we just felt like that was going to fit where the message is going. So 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, a mobile device, go ahead and click there. I'm going to give everybody a moment to find that, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, uh, and if you have found that, are you ready? Do you have it? I'm going to wait for Bella all the way in the back because she has her Bible, and I know if she's found it, then the rest of us are ready. If you haven't found it, somebody's probably over in Colossians looking for Chronicles, and so you're trying to figure that out. That's okay. We'll put the scriptures on the screen. (laughs) Second Chronicles chapter 15. In fact, can we do this? Could we stand out of reverence for God's word? Could we stand out of reverence for God's word, out of respect? Let's listen to God's word together. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now here's the verse. I was thinking about you all week. You will not have to fight this battle. All right, all right. Got about 12 people here who wanted that. If you, now listen, that was better than first service. Now, if you want this to be your verse, okay? If you want this to be your verse, I want you to clap and I want you to holler a little bit when I read it again, all right? Are you ready? You will not have to fight this battle. You will not have to fight this battle. Turn to your neighbor and say, not this one, not this one, not this one. I'm not going to fight this battle. Why? 
because the battle belongs to the Lord. So take up your position, stand firm, and see that the Lord, the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not believe that the devil, when he tells you there's nothing that you can do about it, there is something you can do about it. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. That's God's word. You can be seated in his presence today. Well, we're in part two of a five-part series called Be Strong. And I believe that this is such a powerful series for us as a church family because along the way in our spiritual journey, we need to learn how to fight spiritual battles. Now, one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is for him to get you to believe that he is not real or to minimize his power and his lies in your life. For a lot of people, we believe that there is a God. Uh, Some people don't believe he's active. Some people believe that there is a God, not sure who his name is. They believe there's a God. But when it comes to the enemy, when it comes to the devil, we minimize his power and his force in our lives. And his greatest trick for your life is to believe that he does not exist. But how many of you know that the enemy is real? that the attack of the enemy, he is real and he wants to discourage you and distract you that will lead to your eventual destruction. That's why last week in week one, uh, DeRay ministered along the lines of a message entitled, Be Alert, Be Alert. The Bible tells us that the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's prowling around seeking those that he can devour. Now today, To kind of set this up for us, I want to give you a little bit more biblical history and background on Lucifer, on the devil himself. Before the foundation of the world, God created archangels like Gabriel and Michael. He created Lucifer. Lucifer is a created being, okay? And Lucifer, if you will, he was like the leader of worship when it came in the heavenlies. And so he would be leading songs of of worship and splendor unto God. But pride had entered Lucifer's heart such that he pitted himself against the Lord. And God says, I will never share my glory with anyone. Because God is holy, because God is is full of glory, he cannot share his glory with anyone or he would cease to be God. And so he had to cast down Lucifer out of heaven. And scripture says that he took a third of the angels who are known as the demons, the dark forces in this world. Remember last week, we talked about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these dark forces, against the enemy himself. Now, here's what you need to understand. The enemy cannot destroy and take out God. It's impossible. He can't do that. But what he can do is he can destroy God's children. Hey, parents, you know this. It's like, you can mess with me as a parent, but don't go messing with my kids, right? That's exactly the MO of the enemy. He wants to go after those who created in the image of God. And last week, we talked about how we've been born into this battle. Remember Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve sinned? When they sinned, we inherited their sin nature. And therefore, after the fall, all of us were born into this struggle, into this battle. And we need to learn how to do battle. 
Parents, it's why the sin nature is evident in your little kids, even at two years of old, uh, two years of age. You never have to teach them the word no or mine, right? That's their sin nature. They already know it. They already get it. They understand it. Now, here's what's so fascinating to me. Scripture says that Jesus is our high priest. That means that he came and he took on human weakness and and our flesh form in order to be tempted like we have been tempted. Now, when I read that verse uh, this week in Hebrews chapter four, I kind of began to argue with the Bible a little bit. Like, really? Like Jesus was tempted just like I was tempted. Jesus never had kids. Jesus never had Amazon Prime or a credit card. Jesus wasn't tempted like me. But scripture says he was tempted in every way that we have been tempted. And I don't know about you, but I take great comfort in the fact that my Lord and Savior has gone through the same battles that I go through, amen? Amen. That he can relate to some of the things that I struggle with when it comes to temptation and spiritual warfare. That Jesus Christ was not immune from the battle. I'm so grateful for that. But the Bible says that he was perfect. He went through everything that we went through. And I know sometimes we complicate temptation, but really temptation falls in one of three categories when it comes to the New Testament. New Testament teaches us that there are three categories of temptation, whether that's external uh, temptation or internal temptation, whether that's lust or whether that's anxiety or whether that's fear or whether that's what addiction, whatever that is, there, there are three categories. And scripture says that Jesus He was perfect in a way that we could never be perfect. Now, do you know where Jesus, guess where he had to go to prove his perfection? Let me show you. Matthew chapter four. Here's our key text for this weekend. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted. How many remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for our sins, we forgive those who sin. And lead us not into And who led Jesus into temptation? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus Christ into temptation? The wilderness to be tempted. In fact, uh, the original word there, led, that's kind of nice. Led sounds nice. If you look at the gospel of Mark, it's driven. That's a better word for it. The, 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 the son of God, the word who was made flesh, Jesus, God's one and only son who came to earth. He was driven into the wilderness. Why? Why was the expressed image of the radiance of God by whom and through whom and for whom all things created that were created, why was he in the wilderness? Jesus came in the wilderness so that you and I would know how to win the battle of the wilderness. That as our savior and as our model, he would show us the wicked schemes of the enemy when it came to temptation and he would give us the example to win the battle. Now, listen, 
The victory has been won. The victory was won on the cross. The victory was won in the resurrection. And Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. But here's the reality. While the victory has been won, the battle is going to go on because of our sin nature and our flesh and the broken world in which we live in. It is gonna go on until Jesus Christ returns for his church or we die and we are with him. So you better be ready. You better know how to be equipped. You better be Strong. Somebody say, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. And it wasn't like Jesus just fought some battles, you know, like once in a while. You remember one chapter earlier in Matthew chapter three, what happened? Jesus was baptized and what? took place. The sky split apart. The dove came down, the voice out of heaven. This is my son in whom I love. And I am well pleased. It was like from the very beginning, Jesus entered into spiritual battle until he breathed his last breath on the cross and said, it is finished. So if the battle begins for Jesus at the moment of his announcement that he is for the father and ministry on earth, don't you believe that you and I were going to be in a battle? Which, by the way, if you want to get baptized next weekend, join the battle. We're going to start that. Uh, (laughs) No, but it's true. Because every time, friends, listen, every time you take a step of faith, every time you begin to move out and you say, you know what? I want to gain some ground. I want to overcome a temptation. I want to believe God for my family. I'm going to step out in boldness and share the gospel. I want to serve. I want to, I want to become all that God has for me. Every time that happens, do you realize that the target on your back only grows in, only grows in size and diameter because the enemy wants to destroy you? He does. In fact, I had an old pastor used to say, if the enemy's not coming after you, you might not be a threat. And that was convicting. Because we all have battles. We all have struggles. So Jesus is in the wilderness. And I think what he understands about the wilderness is that the devil is your accuser. But I want to declare today that while the devil is your accuser, Jesus is your advocate. That's why he came into the wilderness. While the enemy wants to tear you down and to leave you for destruction, Jesus came as your advocate to build you up and to bring to you the weapons that will win in the wilderness. The question is not, is the enemy going to attack you? The enemy is already attacking us, friends. He's already attacking those who are for Jesus Christ. He is coming after for every single human being because he wants your soul. He is attacking. He is attacking. So the title of my message this weekend is simply this. Here comes the devil. Now what? Here comes the devil. Now what? Am I ready? What do I do? How do I fight? How am I strong? Well, We're going to discover this in this passage today because the enemy tempts Jesus. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting. He hasn't eaten anything. After his baptism, the spirit leads him out into the wilderness where he's tempted. He hasn't eaten anything for 40 days and 40 nights, and and he's tempted. 
Now, three categories of temptation. If you're taking notes, write these down. First John chapter two, verse 16 says there's three categories of temptation. The first is the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. It's what I feel like doing. It's what I feel like saying. It's the text that I feel like sending that person. Ever been there? Yep. Just put your thumbs away. Put your thumbs away. Just put them, put them in your pocket. All right. It's the text I feel like. Or it's the lust of, of the eyes. It's the appearances. It's the surface stuff. It's the stuff that we see and we compare ourselves with other people. It's the lust of the eyes. Or it's the pride of life, the third category. Who I'm trying to convince other people that I am or how much I know or how much I have accomplished. And we begin to live on the praise of people versus the approval of God when we fall into the pride of life. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let's look at these temptations where the, the devil comes and he hits Jesus three different times. So question, after you have been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, knowing that Jesus is fully human, is Jesus hungry? Yeah, he's hungry. He's super hungry. He's really hungry. And so the devil says to him, lust of the flesh. He says, hey, why don't you, verse three, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. How would the tempter, how would the devil tempt the son of God? Only by him questioning his identity truly as the son of God. Just like the enemy does with us. He wants us to question our identity as the son or a daughter of the most high God. He wants to lodge his lies and his, his thoughts, right? He disguises his thoughts inside of us and not every thought is a thought from God. And so when we buy that lie, we begin to compromise our identity and we do things that are not of us and not of our new nature as children of God. How many of you know that when you're hungry, you can get delusional? You can try to turn things that are not food into food. You, can, you know what you end up doing? Here's how it works for a lot of us. We eat junk food when we're not, we're not fully fed. We begin to snack on things that aren't good for us. And how many of you know that the devil knows when you're hungry? The devil knows when you're hungry. That's why you, you can't come to a row or a circle. You can't spend time in the chair once every six weeks when it's convenient for you. Because I'm telling you, when the attack comes, you won't be strong enough to stand firm against the enemy. You're not well-fed. You're, you're not mature. You're not growing in your faith. And you don't understand what it means to go against the enemy. So Jesus says, no, no. No, I'm not gonna do that. Well, here comes the devil again. This time he says to Jesus, he says, why don't you just, if you're the son of God, why don't you throw yourself down? Just throw yourself down. And Jesus says, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going that direction. Here, he, here comes the devil again. How many of you know that the devil doesn't usually just come once when he tempts you? He comes once, he hits again, and he comes again. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you're hungry. He knows when you're lonely. He knows the perfect time to come after you. And in our flesh, we can't win the battle. The devil is not afraid of you, friend. He's not afraid of how much you, how much you bench press. He's not afraid of how smart you are. He knows he can take you out. He's got your number. 
So the third temptation, the enemy comes to Jesus and he says, all of this, all the kingdoms of the world, I'll, I'll give all of this to you. By the way, it's not like Jesus left the wilderness in that moment because the temptation oftentimes comes on the movie screen of our mind. And Jesus saw all the kingdoms in that moment. And what the enemy said is, I will offer you a way of escape if you will just bow and worship me. I don't know if you know this, but as much as God will offer us a way of escape when we're tempted, so does the enemy. The only difference is, is that when the enemy offers us a way of escape in the wilderness, it just leads to another set of chains. But we have a great high priest and a big brother who came to the wilderness so that for those of us who call on his name and believe in him on the moment of our wilderness experience, we can go to him and say, Jesus, I know you're my big brother and I know you came to finish some unfinished business in the wilderness and defeat the enemy on my behalf. And if you know anything about the wilderness, the wilderness just doesn't happen once in your life, does it? I, I wish it did. The wilderness isn't like 13 years ago. The wilderness isn't after just your divorce or that tragic accident or that question, why God? Wilderness doesn't happen when you just, we tried and we just couldn't have children. Wilderness can happen on any given day, can it? In any given month, you could have week one of your month and you could be in the land of milk and honey. Man, God's speaking to you, promises of God, you worship, you pray. It's just so rich and so fertile. And you're like, man, come week three, you feel like you're wandering in the wilderness and you're, spent, you're saying to your girlfriend, you're saying to your child, man, I wish we could go back to Egypt. I wish we could go back to what it used to be like. And little do you know that if the enemy ever took you back, you would just find that you're not enough and that you're not worthy and that he would have you right where he would want you to, in order to defeat you. That's the wilderness. That's what the wilderness is like. Well, after the three temptations, Jesus finally said to the enemy, away from me, Satan, away from me. I'm done with you. This is over. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I love that. The angels came to give him comfort. So here's a question. Why 40? Why 40 days? If you're a Bible reader, you know that in the Old Testament, the Israelites, how many years did they spend in the wilderness? 40. 40. It was as if Jesus was saying this, you couldn't figure out your identity and how to obey God's word and live for him for 40 years. But what you couldn't do in 40 years, I'm gonna show my church, the followers of me, that I can do this in 40 days to set an example and a template for us to tap in to the authority and to the power of God. Amen. And so what Jesus was showing us is that you're never stronger than when you depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're never stronger than when you depend on the Holy Spirit. When Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he said, I'm gonna give you a gift. And this gift is the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. 
So here comes the devil. Your prayer is simply this. Listen, high school students, here comes the devil. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You're, you're getting attacked at, at a university campus. You're on your job, whatever it is. And maybe you just need to see those words. You pull out a little note on your phone and you just write, come Holy Spirit. You just type it out right there. Come Holy Spirit. You begin to activate the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit when temptation hits. But more so than a prayer, because I can imagine that Jesus, as he was walking around the, the wilderness, thinking to himself, man, I am so tired. And he's praying, oh, Father, I need you. Spirit, come, energize me. Quicken, bring, bring, bring revelation, bring truth. Jesus, he gives, he gives us the primary way to win the war in the wilderness against the temptation that you are facing today, against the battle that is bigger than you. Over in Ephesians, our passage for the entire series, if you remember, uh, DeRay read that to us last week. Uh, the Apostle Paul lists out body armor, the full armor of God. In fact, next weekend, I want all of you to be here, invite your friends because, listen, we need to know the armor of God, how to put it on every single day, what the armor is, how it applies to our lives. And I can't wait to walk through each one of those pieces. But today, I wanna show you one of the pieces of the armor, the primary way that you win against temptation. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul says this, Take the helmet of salvation, and here it is, and the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is what? What's the sword of the Spirit according to the Apostle Paul? It's right there. It's the Word of God. He says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I don't know if you know this, but out of all the body armor that's listed in Ephesians 6, which we'll work through next weekend, there is only one offensive weapon. Our only offensive weapon is the inspired and infallible word of God. It is the Bible. It is the Bible. And you know how I know this? Because this is exactly what Jesus accessed in the wilderness. Let me show you. This is amazing. When the enemy said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Here's what Jesus says. He answered, verse four, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here comes the devil again. He says, why don't you jump from this high point? And Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. He said, why don't you just Bow down and worship me and I, I will give everything to you. And look at verse 10, second half. It says, for it is, say that next word. It is. He says, it is written. Here it is. It's written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Pathways. Guess. Every man, every woman, every student, every teenager, every child, do you understand that this book is the only book in human history that is alive? This book has truth that is divine. Over 1,500 years, 40 different scribes, if you will, 
with one central truth that God wants to rescue all of humanity and turn their hearts away from wickedness into the righteousness of Jesus Christ through his salvation. This is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. This pierces, this transforms, this changes us. This is what wins the battle when we're in temptation. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. I love uh, Psalm 119, verse 11. It's a verse that I memorized as a little boy. The psalmist writes this, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. How do you hide the word in your heart? You spend, you spend a portion of every day reading and focusing on the truth of this book. And you pray a simple prayer like, Jesus, would you just show me? Would you teach me? Would you tell me? Would you give me wisdom in this situation? I'm struggling here. Like, I need to know your word. Did you notice in the wilderness, how many of you know in the wilderness, the enemy never comes to you and says, hey, I just wanna let you know, I'm the enemy and here I'm gonna tempt you. He never does that, does he? He never does that. He'll show up and he'll throw a lie your way. He'll give you some pride of life. You'll, you, get, you get arrogant or cocky. It's the exact same thing that happened to Jesus. But, but, but when he came to Jesus, unlike some of us, many of us, including myself at times, J Jesus didn't say this. If you read Matthew 4 on your own this week, uh, Jesus didn't say um, um, to, to the enemy, Hold on, he didn't pull out his pocket Old Testament and say, wait a second, I know there's a scripture in here. Turn the stones in the bread. I know it's somewhere, I think it's in Exodus, maybe in Deuteronomy. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, Deuteronomy 11. No, no, here's a verse. Man shouldn't live by bread alone. No, 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 Jesus didn't say that. The word of God was in Jesus's heart. Now, grant it. He is God's son, and he did inspire the book, so, uh, <laughs> right? But here's what you need to know as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You, you don't need to know and memorize the entire scripture, but you do need to memorize the verses where the enemy attacks you. If you struggle with impatience, you, you better memorize a few verses around patience. You struggle with anger, you better get a couple of verses because that is your sword when the enemy comes and he attacks you. That's how we use the word of God as the sword of the spirit. And, and friends, Hear me on this. If you want to win the battle, you better know the book because before the word comes from your mouth, it better be in your heart. It has to be hidden in your heart because that's when the Holy Spirit then begins to activate and pull those verses from your mind. When you're tempted, you don't have time to go searching for a scripture. When it's in the heat of the moment, your Bible, you might, not, you might not have access to your phone. It might have died. Your Bible's at home. And for some of us, if I can just be really honest, we don't know where our sword is. Yeah, hey, I know it's on the bookshelf. I know grandma got me one when I was eight years old. Now you're 58. 
And you're talking about the Bible that grandma gave you when you were eight. Yeah, I read it like, you know, once in a while, you know, I kind of like, you know, I look at a verse, you know, but it isn't a daily time where you come into the presence of God and you don't use and put on the sword of the spirit to say, I need to really, you know, I was talking to a teenager after a volleyball match. In fact, she was talking to somebody else and I overheard her and she said, you know, every day I just get the verse of the day and I'll, I'll pull out and I'll write something down about that verse. And inside my heart, I just was so excited that I heard that volleyball player say that. She just said unprompted, like, yeah, they were talking about something. She was like, yeah, I just, I use my, my Bible app. It's called YouVersion. Maybe you're here today and you, don't, you didn't know that there, there's a Bible app. You download YouVersion, there are hundreds, thousands of plans for you just to begin to, to get into God. I understand, I understand some of this is very complicated, but I also understand that some of this is really, really simple truth that God wants to share his love with you. And so this weekend, I wanna challenge all of us between now and the end of 2022, that we would really make commitments to get into God's word. This is our only offensive weapon. This is it. This is all we have. We do, as DeRay said, there's no bombs, there's no bullets, there's no, we, we can't say like, like, it's not flesh and blood. These are spirit, this is a spiritual weapon. The only offensive weapon is the Bible. So if you would bow your heads and your hearts with me all across this place this weekend, I just wanna ask you a few questions. If you're here today, you're listening online, you're watching this, and you know in your heart that you need to take some time and you need to begin to hide God's word in your heart. You need to make a commitment to begin to read his word. Maybe you need to get that, that app, you can talk to somebody out at Connect, talk to myself today, and, and, and we'll help you do that. Some of you, you know where your Bible is. You're, you're a longtime follower of Jesus Christ, but you have slid, and, and you really have gotten a little complacent when it comes to reading Scripture and, and placing that truth, that divine truth into your heart. If you're here today and you would just say, you know, Adam, the Lord is speaking to me, and I, I just, in his presence, I want to make a commitment to dig into God's word, to get on a reading plan. I wanna, I wanna make a commitment that on a daily basis, I, just, I wanna begin to read and to understand the power and the truth of God's word. If that's you here today, would you just slip up your hand in the presence of the Lord? Lots of hands, just like first service, lots of hands. Yep, yep, that's a great decision. You can put your hand down. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today's your day. Good news, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And if you wanna be on the winning side, if you wanna know that no matter how many battles you go through, no matter how many losses you might have in those battles, the victory, the ultimate victory is yours through Jesus Christ. You've come at the end of yourself, your strength, your ingenuity. God doesn't care who you are and where you come from. God just cares that you bring your heart to him. If you're here today and you're at a place where you wanna receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're online today, you can type in, I'm giving my life to Jesus. You're here today and you just need a fresh start. 
You need the love and the faithfulness of our great God through the grace of Jesus Christ. If that's you and you want to accept Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand in this moment? We want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you. Anybody here today? Just slip up your hand. Yes, thank you. You can put it down. You're online today. Tell somebody, drop it in the chat. Anybody else? You're here in this moment. You want to receive the Lord? Then let's pray together as a faith family. I might've missed your hand, but God sees your heart. He knows you're here. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your truth who is expressed in Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I confess I need you as my victor. By faith, I receive the gift of your salvation that I will win the battle with you. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees with this prayer, shout it. Amen, amen. Hey, can we go ahead and celebrate what God is doing in and among us today? Yeah. Powerful, 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 powerful. Praise God.